0: Alright, so Naveen, welcome to Bantaman episode 11. Two things to be uh, talking about today, I suspect. So, I already have my diversion in mind. Uh, We should do an update on how we are doing with our vegetarian challenge because I believe we have both stuck to it. This is day 72. Do you want to tell everybody what you want to talk about today?
1: I want to talk about coffee.
0: I will uh, give you the floor uh, initially to. Uh, maybe start talking about coffee. So
1: oh, yeah, sure. So yeah. Uh, let me start off about. Uh, I just talked briefly about uh, you know where it all comes from. Uh, for us, from the time we were kids we always had coffee. At the, it was like the morning that we wake up, we would drink coffee. Yeah. Uh, when I say coffee it's it's always filter coffee, South Indian filter coffee. Uh, and that's, that kind of was it was never anything special. It was always something that was there, and uh, till, uh, till a few years ago, it was kind of part of the day's routine. Uh, and until I lived till I lived in Chennai, it was never a big deal because you could get good coffee powder anywhere that you we went. Any yeah. shop would have it, and so it was not a big deal at all. And then uh, we moved to Hyderabad, and then that's when we discovered that. Uh, oh, this is a very specific lifestyle thing that is not supported outside of Tamil Nadu, right? Right. We had to go looking for specialty coffee shops that would actually sell us the coffee product that uh, we wanted. Uh, and it was also the time that I actually became very conscious about the whole thing. That it's uh, not just, you know, I mean, this is what you do every day. It's, it's got a lot, there's a lot of science people. All of that. Uh, so, and then that's when I got into like the intricacies of... Uh, uh, literally, you know, knowing the uh, proportions of what what type of coffee we have, what is the gross yeah. level, what is the grind level. I mean, back home, you would just go out to a shop and say, "Oh, give me a cup of coffee, uh, half a
0: kilo," and then they would give it to you. And then they would just it. So, so growing up, when you had coffee, was it always laced with chicory?
1: A uh, little bit of, not all, uh, not not like uh, not like we get these hardcore like 43% chicory. Amount. Not that much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, at home, it was always around 10 to 15%. That is more like what we used. To have. Um, it was after coming here that uh, I started having pure coffee without any sugar at all. Right. Okay. And then we experimented with different uh, things and we found out that, you know, a high percent kind of gives it a little bit of light, but uh, it's enough coffee to yeah, So <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Um, so then. Uh, that's, and now it's kind of, after that, it kind of, you know how these rabbit holes are, you start reading up, then you start learning, then you start talking to people, and then suddenly, you know, there's all these different types of beans uh, how much you have to roast them, how much you have to grind them, and you know, all of that. So now we have this whole, uh, uh, you buy half a kilo at a time, use up only 250 grams, uh, yeah. so that it, the, the grind is always fresh and all of that. Right, so... This, this whole thing maybe took a few years. It didn't it didn't, uh, didn't happen overnight. Um, and then, of course, now there is that uh, almost obsessive uh, thing. Wherever you go, you check out the coffee and you see how it is. Uh, and they try to figure out if they make it in any different way. Uh, but there's also this almost ritual thing. That, you know, when we go back to uh, anywhere in Tamil the first thing you do after you get off the plane or the train is that you head off to like, uh, the terrorist filter coffee place and you have a filter <laughs> coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's how it is. It's, it's become like quite an obsession now. And uh, we've been um we've we've been lucky in that till now we've been able to uh, maintain our coffee powder supplies. It's only now that we are kind of nearing the end of it and I'm kind of hoping that uh, the latest order that I placed will shift in the next and reach us in the next fifteen days I should be fine.
0: Right, right. Okay. So uh, we, are, we are getting a few audience questions, Naveen. So I'm going to go to those. Um, so uh, the, the first question is from Nilab, which uh-huh. is, uh, what's your favorite coffee and what's your favorite coffee making method? Um, also, probably if it's something more exotic than just South Indian filter coffee, <laughs> when did you discover it and, you know, uh, describe the rabbit hole you fell down?
1: Yeah, there are four answers to this whole thing, okay? Because, Ooh, uh, okay, <laughs> because uh, my favorite coffee uh, on a regular basis is the South Indian filter coffee. There's no two ways about it. Uh, so that's one answer. Right. And uh, the then like my uh, favorite filter, the thing for making filter coffee is my coffee filter at home. Right. Like the most basic piece of apparatus you can uh, imagine. It's just a small filter with. Uh, uh, stainless steel filter. I mean, it's just like a very ordinary utensil. Right. Uh, there's nothing special about it, but the coffee that comes out of it is pretty great. Uh, so that is on a regular basis. Right. Um, I discovered that I really like uh, pour over. Um, uh, that to a cold pour over. Um, this is probably I discovered about a couple of years ago. Ooh. That's like my favorite filter coffee to drink when you go out. Right. Uh, and any of these, uh, I, basically, you ask them for their house blend when they do that. And usually, you have like Indian coffee or something. It's very It has of a fruity flavor and all of that. Yep. So, again, <laughs> if I can discern a fruity flavor, it means that fruity flavor is pretty really strong. Uh, so, uh, that way. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's all of that. And uh, then I have my secret weapon, which is uh, I also have this AeroPress coffee maker, which I deploy every now and then. Okay. Uh, that is, uh, it's pretty cool. It actually works very well with uh, any coffee powder which is ground for uh, filter coffee, which means uh, medium to dark roast and uh, a medium to medium fine grind. Uh, that is your typical uh, coffee filter grind. Okay. And that works very well in the AeroPress. And the AeroPress is all kinds of. Uh, I mean, it's like the ultimate hipster thing. It's like an upside-down coffee filter. It's like a giant plastic syringe, and yeah, it's just like way complicated, way more complicated than it needs to be. Right. But then that's part of the whole hipster coffee thing. It's just complicated way beyond beauty.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Cool. All right. I think you've you've answered Naveen's question. Uh, another one is from Kirti, which is, do you like Starbucks coffee?
1: I actually do like Starbucks coffee, especially when you go to any, any Starbucks anywhere in the world has, uh, uh, has their local coffee. Like right. The house blend is usually a local coffee and it's got all of those things, it ticks the boxes, it's ethically sourced and all of those things. Right. Um, and Starbucks does a surprisingly good job of uh, representing it fairly. Right. Uh, it's not like... Um, I, at least, I mean, as far as I know, it doesn't lose its uh, character when it comes to Starbucks to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I have mixed feelings about Starbucks. I think they roast it too much. Like, every Starbucks blend just tastes like French roast to, to me. <laughs> and uh, particularly in India, they have a really bitter blend, actually. Um, so yeah, I don't
1: like their house blend in India. But I also know why, because I don't particularly like the flavors... Uh, of the estates where they get it from so I'm, I'm familiar with those and those are things that I would avoid myself so in India when I go to Starbucks I don't get a house coffee yeah, yeah. but they have some pretty interesting things as well
0: so right no and, and uh, predictably I think uh, anybody that's been in uh, on the east coast well on the north east coast of the US I, I should say near the Canadian border uh, has uh, a great love for Tim Hortons coffee in their head so for me you know, Tim Hortons is, is uh, I, I absolutely agree with Nila. Tim Hortons is the bee's knees of coffee. Starbucks, if I'm in a bind, there's no other coffee available. Fine, I'll drink it. Let's switch gears a little bit. And uh, uh, there's another question from kirti which is... Uh, what's a day without coffee like for you? Like, I, I suppose that the corollary to that is how integrated is coffee into your daily routine? And do you feel any different if you don't drink cup?
1: So, it's, that's actually a really good question. And surprisingly, I'm I'm okay without coffee. It's not as, uh, it's not like, oh, I can't function without my coffee. Right. Um, the longest I've probably gone without coffee is not, uh, this is when, uh, I was, uh, i gone for a bird photography trip to Gujarat. It's a rural Gujarat is not the place to get, you know, to watch coffee. They made decent tea, so I made do with that and I think I was there for about seven days and not a cup of coffee. No coffee, I'm, I'm perfectly okay. It's, uh, for me, I think it's more of a taste and that whole little thing then actually, the it be not any dependence on it. I'm, I'm perfectly alright. You know.
0: Okay, nice. I wish I could say the same um but i i must admit uh you know my my day gets really dull uh i i start flagging i i'm a, I'm a proper coffee addict i think so uh you know it, uh, if if i don't drink coffee chances are i'll get drowsy or i'll get really grumpy around 2 p.m uh, so let me ask you how much
1: coffee do you drink in a day
0: too much um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my my day typically starts. You know, I've, I've got a mug right here because I just just recently finished uh, a a cup of coffee. Um, I typically drink about I would say three mugs in the morning, three wow. three of this size, and then through the day another one or two. So. We're talking about probably 70 to 80 ounces of coffee in a day. That's that's a lot.
1: I, <laughs> I have a cup of coffee in the morning and that's it. That's my coffee for the day. Right, uh, right. And there are some days when I might have a coffee during the day. But right. Not all the day. So I probably drink about uh, a fifth of what you drink. Right. Maybe even lesser than that. So uh, that's kind of uh, also why I think I don't have that... Uh, dependence on it uh, which actually comes in useful right now because uh, yeah I mean even if we run out of coffee I'm fine I'm not going to like <laughs> lose yeah. it.
0: let's dive into the real hipsteriness right of, of the coffee obsession so uh we, we talked a little bit about sort of the various ways that uh, uh, we make coffee but let's also talk about how we source our coffee because i think that's where i i know your your coffee habits right and and so um, there's the usual you know step out and find your uh, coffee at the neighborhood supermarket kind of a bit and you know you you typically want to avoid uh, adding chicory well I I want to typically avoid adding yeah, yeah. but um, I know off late particularly in India uh, it has become a huge trend to source coffee artisanal coffee actually from as close as you can get in the supply chain to the plantation mm. and uh, so so do you do you want to talk about how you stumbled down that whole rabbit hole and uh, uh, particularly about, you know, blends versus sort of single plantation, uh, not, not quite single barrel, that's whiskey, but, you know, <laughs> single plantation uh, coffees and and uh, various types. Maybe some of your favorites?
1: Oh, yeah. So, we can... Uh, see, that, so there's just... Uh, in India, we have this thing called the Coffee Board of India. they pretty much... Uh, we have published their whole... Uh, classification of what are the different coffees of
0: yeah so you
1: basically have the two main uh, things are the Arabic and the robusta the two uh, types of yep. uh and pretty much um that's about it and then it's just different grades of that uh, what uh, and that is very fixed in india it's all and it's been fixed for uh i don't know about 70 or 80 years since the board has been around like the different grades and the uh, quality grades of coffee Yep. But um, recently, in recent times, uh, it's been uh, possible for us to actually uh, buy coffee from outside that particular pipeline, uh, 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 and that is typically what these small boutique uh, coffee brands are all about. Right, and then they have this the uh, concept of shade-grown coffee, uh, which I found really fascinating. I actually went uh, saw this being uh, grown, and uh, this is in uh, Western Ghats. They've been there. The oh, okay. Another watching trip. And, um, we were staying in this old bungalow, like a like a colonial uh, tea bungalow. And in within the plantations, uh, when they first made the plantations, what they've done is, while uh, so typically you know how tea plantations are, they would clear fell a uh, slope and then they would plant tea all, all over. Yeah. So What they did was they deliberately left swathes of forest untouched. In between the uh, tea plantations, the idea was that these would keep the, you know, the rainfall there. It would break the wind. It would make sure all the whatever natural processes are happening would happen, and would keep the tea uh, product productive enough. Now, what the shade-grown coffee um, does is it's actually grown in this, in these forest areas, and it's natural. It just, it, it's uh, they just uh, sow it and they just leave it. And they don't do any, once uh, once the coffee bushes start coming up, they don't do any uh, operations on them. They don't even clear the floor. The floor, like if something falls from the trees, they just left there. Oh, right.
0: right. Okay.
1: So, uh, what they do is, they just mark where the uh, coffee plants are. And whenever the berries are ripe for the picking, they just pick the berries. So, which means nothing. They don't don't fertilize, they don't do any uh, weeding, they don't do any insecticide, nothing. All of that is done naturally because this is literally grown inside a natural forest.
0: Okay, wow.
1: So, any shade-grown coffee that you get is typically grown in places like this. So, nice. they don't, they don't, it's not like a coffee plantation that you're making from. So, okay. which also means that uh, it's way more labor to get one kilo of coffee than it is from a coffee plantation which is also why you end up paying like two or three or four times the price that you pay for coffee that you get from uh, your regular plants. Right. It comes from coffee plantations. And the coffee plantations are exactly like the plantations. They're the properly cultivated plantations. with A lot of very intensive fertilization, intensive insecticides, It's, it's all of that is there. So, which, uh, which is also why then that that's, it's kind of a lottery right, like, so the same lot from the same place uh, that you get uh, will have quite a variation in base, right? Uh, which is seasonal because from the time it's picked to the time it reaches you, is also, it's all, it also varies, so
0: right. Right. Uh, it's always a kind of uh,
1: loss of weather, this is where, how it's going to be, so that what you lose here is consistency but what you gain is pretty much everything else, it, literally it's, your footprint is much less.
0: Yeah and it yeah i mean there's the advantage of it being pretty eco friendly then because it sounds yep, like yep. you know that land is pretty much earmarked for conservation uh, yep, yep. wherever that coffee is collected rather than grown yeah
1: yep. and uh, again it's also uh, a lot of these boutique uh, brands they work uh, cooperatively with the farmers right the farmers. It's, not, um, it's not like they don't they don't uh, do um, they don't do like a procurement like the uh, others would do. Because right. a procurement then means that okay you have an office and you have these different guys, they all bring their beans to you and right. you just sort the beans accordingly and you will roast it and you will sell it to your customers. Right? So they, they literally leave the roasting and the grinding to the farmers themselves. Which means that it's more, uh, it, it, it's about as um, single source coffee as you can get. Right. So, so it's uh, it's very interesting. That way, uh, overall, it seems to be a much more responsible thing to do to go after these things.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. no I mean, from from my perspective, you know, uh, as you know, I've I've pretty much been sourcing my coffee lately from these boutique sellers. Uh, typically, they are affiliated to either a chain or a singular. Uh, coffee shop where they've got commercial relationships with various plantations uh, around yeah. the country, typically in South yeah. India. Right. So I've been sourcing most of my coffee, I'd say, from Flying Squirrel and from Blue Tokai. So we'll we'll right. the, and uh, uh, you know it's it's probably not as eco-friendly and responsible as uh, what you're describing but it it is yes you're right it's, it's more consistent in in terms of flavor and so on yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but yeah it's it's been really heartening for me uh, that of late uh, there's been a little bit of an artisanal coffee explosion in india really yeah, yeah. Um, you know and and it is in in india typically it's chai country so uh, it's, it's heartening to me to see uh, kind of coffee come into its own, at, at least in a hipster way.
1: <laughs> at least in a hipster way, yeah. Small beginnings, but I think uh, uh, that, that kind of coffee is here to stay. Because, uh, it, see, at the end of the day, it, if it is going to sustain a lifestyle that's sustainable for the people on the ground who are growing it, like the farmers, yeah.
0: Yeah. Then,
1: then I think it's good for us to get behind that. And uh, it's kind of a virtuous uh, cycle there. Uh, we get our hipster kicks, true. True. and uh, we get to preserve their livelihood. Uh, they get to preserve their livelihoods. So. Very true. Yeah. So uh, this this kind of went uh, very serious uh, in a very serious direction. <laughs> so I want to steer away from that, and I want to talk about uh, the time I got my beard and hair on fire because I tried to be try to. He really get really me about some uh, coffee. Oh, okay, he, do tell. We can go down that, but uh, maybe do you want to do your diversion before we do that?
0: Okay, so let's, let's switch into the diversion. I'll remind everybody of uh, a prior episode uh, that we had where we were talking about vegetarianism. And I think uh, from your perspective, it was more about um, environmental vegetarianism because you felt that the more eco-friendly, more uh, climate responsible way to live is vegetarian. For me, it was probably less of that and more about the ethics of it and and sort of the the animal cruelty involved, particularly when it comes to factory farming and so on. And it made me very really uncomfortable. So uh, for those who haven't caught that episode, I would highly recommend you you go and listen to it. It's it's in our podcast feed. Um, the episode is called Vegetarianism. But anyway, at at the end of that. 72 days ago, we decided to go on a 30-day vegetarian challenge. Uh, the first day of that was February the 29th. This being a leap year, here we are on May the 9th, um, and we both stayed vegetarian. I mean, we we both probably eaten eggs, but I think we have stuck to the no meat, no chicken, no fish kind of a rule. So. Uh, Yeah, let's let's start with how has it been for you, Um, you know, and and what changes, if any, have you noticed in your uh, day-to-day?
1: So, uh, okay, Um, we we need to address the obvious, uh, I think that uh, (laughs) the the whole uh, lockdown because uh, of um, the coronavirus has kind of uh, decided a lot of things for us, and it's also kind of, uh, put less in the way of uh, temptation uh, on the table for, uh, for us because yep. that was uh, meat was kind of off the menu because you know most of my meat consumption is outside the house and since we did not leave it, so uh, that kind of worked in my favor. But strangely, uh, I have not noticed anything different. I, think, you know, I don't think there are any health benefits to this. At least I can't feel any of that. Uh, but on the other side, I don't feel any overwhelming uh, urge to, uh, you know, oh, I need to go eat, eat, uh, eat pav yeah. and not uh, And I don't know. I was, uh, I was kind of, I know we had conversations about uh, Helene's and biryanis uh, throughout. Uh, yeah. yeah. That also just because we've been physically kept away as well, uh, kind of contributed in a big way to this. So. What I'm really curious now is to see if this is always going to survive the opening up after the lockdown, mm. like when we are going, when we are out and about, and we have um, access to it, very easy access to it. Uh, right. And then how, uh, how we uh, need that. <laughs> that is what I'm curious about right now. How has it right. been for you? I mean, have you had any uh, so- urges or how, how
0: did that- um i i wouldn't say no i i haven't had urges per se but um you know from from my perspective uh first of all i i think i have fewer constraints than you do because i think habitually you generally don't cook uh meat at home yes absolutely. um yeah. uh, whereas we do and so you know uh, uh, that that's one part of it the other part of it is with the lockdown um you know the 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 packets of breakfast sausage and whatnot that are in my deep freeze uh, become that much more of a factor, you know, they, they loom yeah. over me. Particularly when, um, you know, uh, on, a, on a particular day, when you're out of breakfast cereal, the new grocery order is yet to arrive. Uh, the, the temptation is there to just quickly prepare, you know, three or four links of sausages, eat that oh, yeah. with a loaf, uh, slice <laughs> of bread or something. Um, so, apart from that, uh, you know, it's it's definitely given uh, both me and uh, uh, Kirti, uh, my wife, a little bit of a quandary, which is there's an easy meal option sitting there, but she's not willing to eat it. So that's been a problem. But no, you're right. I, I don't feel any urge. The only pang I would say that I felt, right, in, in 72 days has been... Um, uh, sometimes there are some foodstuffs that you eat which um, uh, you are just habituated to eating with meat. So like the other day, uh, uh, we'd made a really kick-ass spaghetti aglio olio, right? Uh, it was fantastic, but I just found myself missing those chunks of meat uh, as right. I ate it. Uh, yeah, so, but but apart from that, absolutely no... Uh, lifestyle change, um, and and if anything, uh, you know the the uh, the discovery has been quite impressive actually. Because I've I've tried foodstuffs that I wouldn't have before, um, or I've I've just been forced to eat certain things uh, and then found out I like them. Where, you know, I mean we haven't been to any restaurants or anything in the last two months coincidentally. Uh, so, uh, but. Yeah, I've, I've, I definitely have experimented a little bit more with veggies, and uh, that's been a delight.
1: Okay. So I, I really don't know. I mean, I know we were talking about the biryani bracket also. So there's a bunch of things that are kind of outside, which are outside our control right now. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, all of those things, uh, how our resolve fares in the face of
0: all. Indeed. No. And yeah, for for those listening, uh, the idea behind the biryani bracket is uh, we live in Hyderabad, which is pretty much the world's capital of biryanis. There are any number of fantastic outlets that have their own spin on a really good mutton biryani. Uh, So Naveen and my idea is, uh, well, we're we're gonna uh, see this lockdown uh, uh, go its uh, natural way. Uh, But on the other side of this, we are going to, well, we have made a list of the top 16 biryanis in Hyderabad. Uh, gone to some pretty authoritative sources to make that list, and which which means we uh, asked on a few WhatsApp channels. Uh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but what we are going to do is pretty much March Madness style, right? Whenever this lockdown is over, we are going to go out and uh, uh, you know do pairs of biryani every day, and then narrow it down so that we crown the Pantraman biryani of the year uh for her but so well uh, that's a future episode we'll, we'll uh, let you know when that comes up but no it, it sounds like we're on track to hit a hundred days of vegetarianism then Naveen. I, mean, yeah,
1: I think uh, we have both our prime minister and, and our chief
0: minister to thank for that <laughs> yeah not not to mention uh, a experiment gone wrong in a wuhan lab but uh, yeah, okay. let's let, let's not stoke any conspiracy theories um, all right, so so that's been our vegetarianism update.
1: Anywhere you go in Tamil Nadu, you'll find shops selling authentic Popakodam Big Coffee. Ask any two different people what Kumbakonam degree coffee is, and the two of them will give you different answers. There are as many different definitions for what Kumbakonam daily coffee is as there are coffees in present coffee. So clearly, everybody has his own take on what it is, and I have no take on it. I've listened to about a thousand of these takes, and I've come to the conclusion that it's like you just make your own Kumbakonam degree coffee, right? Okay. But this is this is when uh, we were uh, we were in a small town outside. Himself. And I run into yeah. this chef, Chef uh, Mathu. Uh, he runs a uh, couple of restaurants in Chennai. And they uh, got talking about coffee, and Chef uh, Mathu is like, I'll tell you how to make the most authentic Kumbakonam degree coffee. Okay. So he comes out with this list of Ayurveda like things. you know. It must be milk milk from the same cow which is milked early in the morning on the banks of the Kaviri River. Water only from the... All of shit like this, okay. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then he's like, okay. Then, the most important thing is when you're making the decoction, when you're going to put the decoction into uh, the coffee filter, you have to to caramelize a little bit of sugar on the bottom of the filter and then put the coffee powder on top of it. Okay. It's like, what you do is you take... (laughs) half a spoonful of sugar to the bottom of the filter and leave it on your stove till it caramelizes and then while it's still hot then you put uh, coffee powder on top of it. Right. Uh, and I'm like, this this little bit sticks in my head apart from all the other hmm. the strange things that he said. I was right. like, okay, I'm going to try this when I get home. I'm going to like caramelize a little bit of sugar when I make my filter. Here's my thing. I've never caramelized sugar in my life. Who, who caramelizes sugar in your life? I mean, why would you caramelize sugar in life? Right. <laughs> so I've got this, uh, I've got the filter coffee with a filter and holding it with the tongs on one side and then I put in half a spoon of sugar and right. then I have like uh, gingery, keeping it up atop the flame on the stove. Right. Now, a filter coffee, a, filter, a coffee filter has tiny holes in the bottom. Yeah. Right? So the sugar caramelizes. And ah. I, I did not know before that day that melted sugar is highly flammable. <laughs> like, so the flame goes through those little holes and the sugar catches fire. Nice. And I'm like, what? Why is the sugar on fire? So I'm clearly, I've I'm, I'm moved the... Uh, the filter away from the stove but it's still burning right right now what do you do when you see a flame you try to blow it out right? so I did the same thing and th- at this time when this happened I had like a nice full beard and you know like a uh, uh, lot of facial hair let's put that <laughs> right so without thinking right I just like blow into it now <laughs> then, <sighs> The, the stream of air from my mouth to the flame obviously has enough oxygen in it so the flame just rushes up through that and just like singes my beard a little bit of my hair and all of that
0: oh dear like
1: uh, like, put that out and then I finally figured out a way to like you know douse the fire in the uh, yeah in the filter it was, it was pretty crazy uh, needless to say I did not I did not try caramelizing sugar with a filter coffee after that but yes. yeah that was how me trying to be authentic. Uh, Anyway, there wasn't any point to it, I realized later, because this is just one out of a hundred other stipulations for how kumbakonam degree coffee had to be made. So why is it called kumbakonam degreed coffee? Uh, That's a rabbit hole again. So you ask, there's again a hundred different stories for this. The most common story is that um, in the time of the British Raj, there used to be a man called a milk inspector whose little job was to go around town with a lactometer and dropping it into milk wherever anyone was using it and to make sure, so if it was only above a particular degree that the people were allowed to call it milk. Because Because you would otherwise water it down too much. So this is like a guy from the Department of Weights and Measures would go around with a lactometer. So this is essentially, so a degree, so because of the degree in the degree, Right. Latin, yeah, right, right. So this is one story, right? The most fantastic story I've heard about this is when you mix the uh, Kumbakonam degree coffee, you right. pour it from glass to glass like that. You don't pour it straight. You pour it at a degree like that. <laughs> it, it's absurd,
0: but... That, hey, that the, sounds apocryphal. Yeah, that, that sounds like somebody just made it up, you know, I, that, that you've I'm got sure, angles. I'm sure all of these guys made it up, which just that uh,
1: <laughs> I was quite, I was like, okay, I'm like, this this takes the cake, literally. And the person who said this was absolutely serious about it. I wasn't even like, I don't right. know, I, yeah, I'm like, I right. think enough different methods and different uh, everything ascribed to Kumbhakar of It's a mythical creature. There is no... Specific thing, so we went to this shop in uh, Kubakonam, right? The right. Um, this old shop it sells only one thing, it only sells Kubakonam digi coffee, and it's like more than 100 years old, it's like tiny, it's like dingy, it's like those benches have been there for 100 years. You go sit there, they got to be the founder of it. It's that kind of a shop, right? And they right. only sell this thing, they don't sell anything else it was without doubt one of the most unimpressive coffees I've had in my entire
0: life. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I, I hate it. I, I, I must say I hate it when local legends turn out to be bunkum. Like, yeah. uh, it's unfortunate. It's crazy. It's just
1: insane. So right now, if you go to Kumbakonam, there are like a few shops that are the, the so-called authentic uh, purveyors of authentic coffee. And right. you can actually have a really good uh conum degree coffee from them, but right yeah, i mean it's it's difficult to uh, say what it is. it definitely tastes quite unique what they give you right uh, so they there's a whole bunch of claims that they have to it, like for example, the boil the milk in it cannot be reboiled ooh, okay that means they have fresh milk, and when they make coffee for you, they take like that much out and they boil it and then they make it. So you can't have boiled and cooled and reboiled milk. Got it. Mm. So that's that's one of the things that they do. And the second is obviously the water is used, is water from the Kaveri river. Right. So stuff like this, right? I mean, it's kind of, so this whole thing in the, one of the other groups that I'm on, there was this whole uh, thing that came up on why popoconum degree coffee does not have a GI tag is because nobody knows what the hell a degree coffee is. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like we'll get a GI tag for it. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's kind of crazy how everybody nice. has their own theory of water. water of
0: the Brilliant. All right, so so let's let's do an exercise, Naveen. Um, mm-hmm. What's your uh, uh, you know we we can each take turns. Um, uh, but what's your best cup of coffee? How how would you go about making a really good cup of coffee, and uh, how do you take it?
1: Oh, um, so again, two ways, right? The one is my uh, regular uh, South Indian filter coffee, Okay. which basically is like two a, a tablespoons of filter coffee, of coffee powder in a uh, yeah. coffee filter, and then you like pack it nice and tight, and then you pour uh, roughly about twice the quantity of water on top of it. Right, typically water that is hot but not boiling. So then you do that and you let it sit for a while. It takes quite a while for this to percolate now It's about four or five hours. Right. Typically we do that in the night, so that in the morning you have like a fresh uh, bunch of coffee.
0: And you roughly, then you have this with
1: milk, a little bit, like uh, maybe like half and half, or maybe one third, two thirds. So the two thirds right. being milk. So uh, that's my, that's like my uh, everyday coffee. Right. Uh, but. Uh, Again, like I said, uh, a black coffee, the same thing, instead of the milk, you put hot water in it, becomes black coffee. And so, any kind of platform, the morning, if I'm having
0: coffee, I prefer
1: it black without milk. Nice. So, that's, that's essentially that like Okay. What about yours? What's your favorite coffee? Um.
0: Well, I mean, uh, sort of uh, like you, right? The, the one thing I cannot abide these days, I've, I've actually developed a um, physical reaction to it. Uh, Instant coffee just makes me <laughs> acidic and gives me a headache these days. So I cannot drink instant coffee. But my my uh, generally, the, the morning routine that I follow is, you know, I'm, I'm blessed because it is my favorite way to make coffee. I use a regular coffee filter. Uh, you know, there's a percolation pot uh, that I have at home. I'll use my artisanal sourced coffee, and I usually go for medium blends, uh, medium roasts. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll just be sort of a in a mug of coffee, I'll maybe add a teaspoon or a tablespoon of milk, right. so sort of just just a blush of milk, really. And uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite way to drink it. The the thing that uh, probably turns a lot of people off about my coffee habit is. Over time, I've developed this thing where I let the coffee just sit. So if I take a really nice big mug of coffee, I don't care if it's not piping hot. <laughs> I'll, I'll drink it over a good 30, 40 minutes and by oh, the time it yeah. finishes, it, it's kind of cold. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's for me, that's the favorite way to drink coffee. Oh,
1: absolutely, um, I'm, I'm exactly like that. I would, I would drink an absolutely cold cup of coffee just because it's been sitting on my table for a long time. That's I'm right. absolutely okay with that. Okay
0: all right so um, i am conscious of the time i think we we need to wrap up but we would be remiss if we wrapped up a discussion of coffee in 2020 without uttering the d word and i am speaking of course and <laughs> speaking of course of dalgona coffee and i know we'll we'll put a link to it again in in the uh, uh, in the description when we upload the pod and and the video but um You experimented with Dalgona and and to be honest, until you sent me your Dalgona coffee making video, uh, I had no idea it was a thing. So you're you're clearly more with the times than me. So do do you want to just describe to people how your Dalgona adventure went?
1: It's very, very simple for me. Dalgona, the taste, uh, how it turned out, it was a very comforting childhood cold coffee taste. Like, like when, uh, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Nescafe had this whole advertising push, yep. 16, sometime in the 90s, where they tried to, because in India, you always drank hot coffee. Yep. We did not know what cold coffee was. So yep. they actually ran these television ads where there was this blue shaker, like a plastic shaker, in which they would put coffee, and uh, uh, coffee, milk, sugar and ice cubes and then they, somebody would shake it and yep. then they would show it being poured into a glass and people drinking it. And, yep. that was, and the, when, when that thing happened in all our households, we ultimately acquired that blue shaker from Nescafe. It was like if you bought four packets of Nestefe or something, you would get that cookie. Uh, and then we used to, in summers, we used to have this at home.
0: Yeah, I, was. I was luckier, uh, Nestle came to our school and distributed samples of the <laughs> shaker. So I had, a, I had a shaker without having to buy too much coffee. Yeah, but, there you go. Sorry. So, yeah.
1: that, that's, our, so that, that's exactly, that's that's precisely the moment when cold coffee got on as a drink in India. Right? Yeah. And uh, for me, I mean, that is like a very uh, integral part of our childhood. The taste of cold coffee was, and you would not have this on regular days. This is yeah. in the summer holidays when your parents had time to do this for you. It was right. a treat that you would get maybe once in a week. Yeah. So it was those memories are really special, right? And uh, for me, the dargona coffee when it finally when you had it, like so you made it, you put made put it you sit on top of milk, but then when you mixed with cold milk when you had it, yeah, it was a really really uh, it was a really a taste of childhood.
0: So if if I hadn't developed this visceral physical reaction to instant coffee, I would have. <laughs> You know, I, I would have attempted Dalgona probably, but you know.
1: Oh well. It's, well, it's uh like if you have an ice latte, for example. Yeah. That's like a Dalgona coffee, except that's excessively sweet because in order to make it froth that much, you need to put that much yeah. sugar in
0: it. So. Yeah.
1: But uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it is, it's quite okay. I mean, one, to have once in a while, looks like nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Uh, so I think uh, we have, we're just about past the 40-minute mark. We'll, we'll obviously do a few edits on the video and on the audio when we put it up. But um, yeah, it's it's been fantastic. So any final thoughts, anything else you wanted to talk about on the topic of coffee before we wrap up for the day? Uh, yes. I can't wait to go out and have a cold pour over. <laughs> <laughs> In a cafe where you're served and you don't have to. Yeah, where yeah, somebody yeah. else does the pouring over, not you. I hear you. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah. So, so
1: maybe we should do a coffee bracket, just like we are doing the biryani bracket,
0: as well. Ooh, you know what? We should. Yeah, yeah we I agree. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think we could do a whole series of brackets because we we also talked about this. We talked about doing a halim bracket which yeah. won't be possible this year because no Haleem is being cooked in Hyderabad. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Google it, folks. If you don't know what Haleem is, you're missing a treat. Um, but yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should do a coffee bracket, a gin bracket, a biryani bracket, a Haleem oh, bracket. Yes. You know, it just writes itself. But yeah, all right. So so let's also uh, close this by saying this has been our first experiment at going live on YouTube with an episode of The Pod. Uh, did this completely impromptu to be honest. So thank you to the few people that uh, tuned in to watch this. Probably we can make a promise that uh, when we record the next episode uh, to give everyone a preview it will be about a uh, gin habit that uh, I have developed over the years and that uh, I, I think Naveen, you caught it from me uh, I, I like to think uh, so we'll we'll talk about our gin habit we will be doing it live on YouTube and um, yeah so we'll'll we'll give everyone plenty of advanced notice that we will be going live with it and uh, so we'll'll we'll speak to everyone then and of course that will be around day 79 80. Uh, because it'll be next weekend, essentially, uh, of our vegetarian challenge. Uh, but I think, Naveen, you'll you'll probably have to come up with a different uh, diversion for that episode. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, one more thing I, I will do is, uh, I, I feel like because we did this at short notice and we are experimenting with the medium, uh, we didn't really prepare props for this video broadcast. Uh, yes. I will come prepared with some really, really classy bottles of gin, because a gin bottle is in and of itself an art form. So, uh, oh, I have a few to show off too. So, yeah. Excellent. Alright, so uh, that's something for everyone to look forward to. Uh, we have been the Bantaman, and uh, thank you everyone for watching us, for listening. This will be the debut video uh, eventually for our uh, YouTube channel. So, Uh, If you're in there, do like and subscribe and leave us a comment. What did you think of this video? Uh, This was unscripted, so I I feel like there's maybe a lot more ground to cover on the topic of coffee or on our vegetarian challenge. So leave us your thoughts, your questions in the comments below and uh, share this widely. Like I said, we promise we will be going live with plenty of notice for the next episode, which will be all about gin. So thanks again, Naveen. uh, That's it for us for today. Yes. Adios.